friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. And welcome to our podcast, Becoming Buffy, the season two recap episode. Boop, boop. Yeah, I always look forward to this part of the season because then we can look back and discuss the entire arc, spoiler, well, not spoiler free, but with all the spoilers. And we can also kind of talk about how it fits in with season one too. It'll be really fun. It's just kind of like a free for all. Um, Just a reminder to you guys, this will be spoiler-free. There will not be spoilers um, except for everything that's happened in season one and two, obviously. Um, Then after this, we're going to be interviewing Liz, who you all remember was here at the end of season one. Liz has never watched Buffy before until we introduced it to her, and she's been watching right along with us. And so we're really excited to find out what her viewpoint is on season two. So keep listening for that. I'm so excited. I am too. Because I feel like season two is where it's like, okay, do you love Buffy or do you love Buffy, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) But before we get to that, let's talk about season two. All right, guys. So overall, what is your opinions and feelings on season two and its strengths and weaknesses as a season? Okay. I can go first because I think strengths is the emotional connection that season two is able to make on the viewer. I think that 100%. It is just the difference between season one and season two, and the emotional impact it makes is astronomically different. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. season one has some amazing, amazing parts. I mean, Personally, I think when I started liking the show was the finale of season one and just that crazy scene between Angel Giles and Buffy. But mm-hmm. just, I don't know, this season is amazing. Like even with the bad episodes as a whole, the feeling it's able to create and just your desire to want to get to see what happens in the end and all that. It just, it's very powerful. And I think that that would probably be, I think, the best thing to come out of this season for me. And then I think the worst thing to come out of the season would probably be (laughs) either A, Xander's character in season two, specifically. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I'm not going to say him as a character is awful, but specifically in season two. Um, Or honestly, it's hard. Either the amount of skippable episodes I think could have been brought down a little bit. I guess, okay, I'm not going to say skippable episodes, but I'm going to say episodes that aren't up to par with other episodes in the season and compared to the rest of the show. Or probably Xander's character in season two and just some of the things that they Made him do and say. Keep coming back to that one. Yes. Sure. I'm trying not to say him as a character because I think that he definitely improves and grows and he has good moments and bad moments. But season two specifically, I I really struggle with him as a character. I think for the longest time, I always said season two was my favorite season. And I still 
absolutely love it because that's what made me fall in love with the show. I will say re-watching it through, I think it's because I was always kind of on the fence between season two and season three. And I think season three somewhat trumps it for me only because it's a little bit more cohesive. But that doesn't mean that I don't love the peaks and the pits of season two. I think that even the campy, not as great episodes to me are more favorable to watch than some of the more skippable episodes in the later seasons. Um, just because mm. it has the younger feel of it. I think it has young Buffy. It has young Angel. Like, just like it feels very like, oh, like homey. It just feels like very like nostalgic. Yes. Um, and it's like some of the episodes I can think of are just like, I don't know, mostly the beginning of season two. I, but I have an unpopular opinion. A lot of my skippable, skippable episodes are very different than a lot of other people's skippable episodes. Like, I like Reptile Boy. A lot of people don't like Reptile Boy. I think it's kind of fun. Um, other than, you know, the penis monster. That's not my favorite. Um, but I don't really <laughs> love um, The Dark Age. I don't really love that one. I don't really love uh, Killed by Death. And I absolutely hate Go Fish. But I think re-watching it, you're like, when you have to really break down those episodes, you're like, oh, there's such a lull. But then like – you look back on it, you're like, oh, I think I was being too harsh. Like, it's really fun to like casually watch, but I think breaking it down is a little bit like, oh my goodness, this is so monotonous. But my peak and pit of season two, my peak, oh, let's start with my pit. Everyone knows it's Go Fish. I cannot stand that episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Gage is yeah. the best part. Other than the episode Go Fish as my, my pit, I think – the overall pit for me of season two is sometimes the storylines kind of made me a little bit um, frustrated. So maybe like mm. some stuff that was like, okay, like I know we're looking through the lens of a more progressive society. It just felt very frustrating to watch some decisions in season two that could have been a lot more moral, could have been a lot less uh, sexist, you know, things like that. Honestly, a lot of it has to do with Xander's character. I'm really trying not to crap on him as much, but sure. honestly, yes. Um, and then the peak is just the whole Angela's storyline and then just the last few episodes and even – or I don't know, even the middle. Like, I think what I like about season two is that it's so up and down and I think that's on purpose. Uh, I like to think mm-hmm. it's on purpose just because it's like the emotions of like, oh, like my boyfriend is – killing people and then it's like oh i'm I'm having a good day and i think it's just like it mirrors what adolescence is like at during that time and i think i like that about season two but i think if you're looking for a more cohesive intelligent grounded season season three is that but i adore season two what about you sarah so for me all right um, overall season two, I like so much better than season one, which I think is a given season one has a lot of like old school nostalgia feel. Um, I think that season two has quite a few hit or miss episodes, but they still manage to contribute to the overarching plot, like bad eggs, bewitched, bothered and bewildered, go fish, some assembly required. I think those are all not as great episodes, but they all still push each of the character arcs forward um, with the exception of Go Fish. And that's why I'm going to say Go Fish is my least favorite episode. And I also think 
Uh, just objectively, I think that Go Fish is the worst episode of season two simply because it does absolutely nothing for the characters and for the overarching storyline. And that's for, not to say – I was just going to say except for Cordelia's one scene with Xander. That is the only scene – you're right. But I argue and would say that in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, we saw that she was possibly already there simply by the fact that she was willing to stand up to her friends. So that scene with Xander is super precious and I love it. But I feel like it wasn't necessarily – we weren't like shocked. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Cordelia is willing to like you know, be with Xander no matter what he looks like because I think that she made that choice already in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered when she – like openly heard her friends mocking Xander's appearance and still decided to be with him, you know? I think that um, season two is still kind of finding its groove as far as like a show, trying to figure out like its pacing and everything. But you can definitely tell the good episodes are far outweighing the bad ones and it's getting better and better. Uh, so yeah, my least favorite episode is for sure Go Fish. My favorite episode – is and you guys didn't answer. You need to tell me what your favorite episodes are. But I, I think thought that, mine that was going to be passion. a separate question. Dang it! Okay, I have. Is that your favorite one no, too? I have, a, I have a tie. I cannot choose between the two. Oh no! I can't oh, pick. I can't have a tie. I cheating. Sorry, I guys, I cannot pick. But it's either uh, school hard or oh, I forgot about school mm, hard. Dang it! Or, <laughs> or passion. I cannot choose between the two. Oh, They're man. both amazing. They both. And I forgot about Halloween too. Yeah. I was thinking about all like the big episodes. Yeah. Dang it. And I would love oh. to say like um, Becoming Part 1 and 2. And I do love those episodes. But I think those episodes are so amazing because of passion and school heart. But all that being said, I cannot choose between the two. If I – if I want to watch an episode of Buffy just for pleasure and just to like, hey, I just I want to watch a, an episode because I need nostalgia or whatever. I always will put on Halloween or School Heart. To me, mm. those those episodes I laugh so hard, I have so much fun, and I feel like it encompasses the heart of the show. But if I'm like, man, I just really like I need a Buffy fix, and I just need to watch like a good episode, like Passions, my go to. I can't take my eyes off the screen. So I think it kind of depends on what I want to watch. I don't know. I think. All right, so then I think I'm going to say I think Passion is the best episode of season two, and I think School Hard or Halloween. Oh, dang it. Now I can't decide. One of those two is my favorite. See, I guys, don't know. she's okay, stealing anyway, my tabby. answer. She's stealing my favorite. <sighs> this is hard. You guys do it. You are listeners. You do it. Tell me what is your favorite episode and which one you think is objectively the best episode of season two. And also tell me your least favorite because that's fun too. But anyway, all right, Tabs, your turn. Wait, I didn't get to say my least favorite. Oh, okay. Go ahead. It's Not- go fish though. We know. Okay, no. <laughs> here's okay. I have two different answers. I think Oh that- my no, gosh, no, no. here we go I'm again. Sorry, guys. I can't. <laughs> here's the thing. I think that the worst episode in the season, just from an objective objective like point of view, is definitely um go fish. No question there. But my yeah, no question. My <laughs> personal least favorite to watch, only because it triggers like PTSD in me, is Ted. I think it's an amazing episode, <laughs> but watching it is traumatizing for me. So, so least favorite versus the one that you think that is is not the greatest. Yes, I yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, Tabs, your turn. Spill the tea. I don't like this question. 
I don't want to pick my my favorite. Such a nine. Such a nine. No. It has nothing to do with me being a nine. I just love the show so much. And season two is like just very nostalgic for me. I just like love it. I love all of like its, you know, heights and all of its lows, um, except for if you're a go fish. But um, I – So we know your least favorite is go fish, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a given. Um, This is hard only because – you have to choose between which one you think is objectively the best and which one is your personal favorite. Because I no, think- just separate the two out. Separate the two out. Tell me which one you think is the best episode of season two, just like from a lighting, acting, story, writing standpoint, and then which episode is your personal favorite. I think from beginning to end, probably passion over becoming part two, but that's like from like a hair of a difference, like a hair. Sure. I think both of them are just perfectly done. And I think – oh, God. I hate this question. See, <laughs> season two and three, it pains me to, like, pick a favorite episode. And then every other season, I have a clear favorite and other, like, really great ones. But I have, like, a clear favorite every other season other than two and three. It's, like, really hard for me to pick. I would probably say Innocence, honestly. Ooh, that's a new one. Yay, different answer than me and uh, Sarah. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I I absolutely love Passion and Becoming Part 2. I think that they both make me want to cry, and that's like a very specific type of episode to watch. Mm-hmm. I think Innocence is very emotional, but I think the acting and the storytelling really just like makes me feel rather than just make me like really, really sad, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, wait. No, I totally know. I have a question for you guys. I know. Switching no, it no. up. What? Well, Leah no. has a question? Leah's <laughs> involved? Um, so what character do you guys feel like you are drawn to in this season? So like specifically, like what character do you either think grew? Oh, it's always going to be Buffy. Well, but, no, uh, but like, I mean, it like, can't be Buffy. We have to pick something else. I mean, here's the thing. If it's Buffy, there has to be a reason for it. You can pick Buffy. I don't really care. I'm not going to be a stickler for rules. But just like specifically, why do you think this season in particular made you drawn to Buffy? If it is Buffy or, you know, whoever. Do you want me to go first? Uh, yes, please. I need time to think. You're dropping this bomb okay, on us and sorry. I wasn't prepared. Leah, I'm normally the one that <laughs> is all prepared and you're the one that's like, what, what? <laughs> um, so the character I would pick would be Giles. I think that season one, obviously love him, but he is not really a three-dimensional character, at least in my opinion, in season one. The most we get to see out of him is the fact that he loves Buffy and that he would sacrifice himself. Amazing thing, but it's not really – we don't really know who Giles is in season one. But then in season two, we get the whole Ripper storyline. We really see him fully step into that father role for Buffy. He gets a love interest, then goes through the pain of losing the love interest. Like, I just – this season has always just held a special place in my heart for Giles, and I think that this is really the season that made me grow an attachment to Giles. Buffy will always be my favorite character, but this season just made me really love Giles. Ooh, that's a good answer, Leah. Good job. Okay, so I mean, obviously I love I love Buffy. I think I think everybody can relate with Buffy. So I feel like saying she's my favorite and I relate with her is kind of a cheating answer simply because she's literally created to be relatable and like losing your first love and all that other stuff is like, you know, pretty much everybody can relate with that. 
man, this is a really hard one. <laughs> I think I think it's just Buffy. I think um, I love all these other characters, but I think at the end of the day, like I really relate a lot with Buffy and um, specifically I only advise for you with James. I think when she's talking about having wrestling with forgiveness and Giles talks about, you know, forgiveness is an act of compassion and we forgive someone not because they deserve it, but because they need it. Um, that episode just really spoke to me this last time around. Like I've obviously seen it many times before, but it was just like, oh man, this is really good. And so I think just Buffy wrestling with forgiveness for herself and for, um, and at Angela slash angel, I think that just kind of hit home. Good answer. Does that answer your question? Yes. I like oh, it. Oh, thank you. Okay. Phew. All right, Tabs, your you. turn. Y'all need to warn me with these questions because I'm like really- Yeah, Leah. Gosh. <laughs> Okay, you guys dump questions and information on me literally every single episode of the podcast. Not like this. That is is, true. This (laughs) is literally like asking me like what my favorite Taylor Swift album is. I physically have to sit there and it hurts me. I can't do it. Um, I will say the one thing that I love about – I keep saying that as if there's one thing. One of the many, many things that I love about Buffy is that as you watch it, you love something – extremely different about it um, that you did it beforehand. And I'm constantly picking up new things, constantly analyzing things in a different way, constantly seeing characters in a new light. Um, And so I think that every time I rewatch it, I kind of see myself in a different aspect in a lot of different characters. Um, If you'd asked me a couple years ago, I would have said Willow. Um, If you'd asked me a couple months ago, I would have said Buffy. And I think rewatching it now, I think I see myself in Angel a ton. Um, and obviously Buffy's like Sarah said, she's supposed to be a relatable character. And so I absolutely like really relate to her. I'm not going to choose the easy answer, even though what she goes through is never easy. So it's like relatable. Um, but I think that Angel's whole life is him not allowing himself to bring himself down, if that makes sense. Um, and I can really relate to that, like getting in your head too much and allowing yourself to feel miserable when it's like, there's no point in like mulling over the past so much, you know? And so I think that his character is really dealt with a lot of, um, sensitivity. And I think we don't really see that a ton in male characters, in my opinion, and any TV show ever. I agree. Ever. I agree. Amazing answer. Yeah. See, you guys were prepared. You had amazing answers. Jeez, Leah. Uh, definitely not. We should, we should make you be the person that gives the, the questions from now on. Yeah, that was a good question. All right, so you you guys kind of answered a little bit about things you liked about the um, the season, things you didn't. I was going to talk about um, kind of mine, and then if you guys have anything to add, you can totally just jump in. So the things that I liked about the episode or about the season – I'm used to talking about an episode – and Leah mentioned this as they definitely upped the ante when it came to the big bads. Not only did they, you know, bring in Drusilla and Spike, but they brought in Angelus. And I think Spike and Drusilla would have been incredible villains all by themselves because they had a level of um, – it was just like more personal than with the master. And also the show did a really good job of kind of incorporating them into individual episodes and having Spike, like he breaks into the school and then the Halloween, he chases Buffy down versus the master was just stuck in one place. But bringing Angelus in added a whole other personal touch that just 
made the show 10 times better because we were already personally invested in Angel and also in Buffy. And then when he became Angelus, it just, it, the show just became 10 times better. So I think the addition of the, the villains raising the stakes just made the episode so much better and more, or the season so much better and more emotional. I think the other thing that I really liked about the season is the side characters. Cordelia, Jenny, Oz were used really well, had character arcs. Um, Jenny and and Cordelia didn't have their own episodes, but they had huge chunks of specific episodes devoted to them and backstory. Um, Jenny didn't really have a huge character arc, but I think that she her presence was felt in how she impacted all of the other characters, specifically Giles. I love that we have tons of reoccurring characters that come back. Amy, Harmony, Jonathan, Larry. Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody else. Um, But we have these characters that come back in at least one or two episodes and it creates a cohesive feel for the season. It makes us feel like we're actually in high school because in a real high school, you would see these people all the time. I also really loved that Joyce was in it more and we actually saw some really tender moments with her and Buffy versus in season one. I feel like we didn't get that as much. I feel like um, at least in the beginning of season one, Joyce was portrayed more aloof and kind of like, yeah, 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 Buffy. Like she's not really like paying that much attention to Buffy and she probably still is in season two, but the, the moments that we did see her, we saw more of like good mom Joyce than like ditzy and repressing Joyce. And then making the decision to have Joyce find out about Buffy being a slayer was perfect for the season because I think we're so done with Joyce being like unaware and uninvolved in Buffy's life. And it'll be good to kind of like move past that and maybe expand her character a little bit more. So those were all things that I really liked about the season. Um, And then things that I didn't like about the season or not necessarily didn't like, but think they could have changed. I think that Giles' art could have been explored more. I think that we could have seen more of him coping with Jenny's death. I feel like that might've been brushed over a little bit. It focused more on the way it impacted Buffy and less so on Giles. We really only had him dealing with it in uh, I Only Have Eyes For You, and it was very, very brief. And in between I Only Have Eyes For You and Passion, we have the episode um, Killed By Death. And there's really just one sentence that Joyce says to Giles about Jenny's death, and then we don't really talk about it ever again. So I think it would have been quite possibly killed by death could have been used better if it had focused more on Giles recovering from that and less on like Buffy's fear of hospitals, you know? So I think they could have done a little bit better of a job. And they they had the Ripper episode. And then it's like, what are we supposed to do with this information? And then they just didn't address it later on in the season. So I think that there was a real potential for Giles's arc to be a little bit better. But as it was, like, I really don't have huge complaints about it. Um, And then the other thing is just Xander, just like you guys have to say. I think Xander's did some crappy things this season. The spell and bewitched, bothered and bewildered. He says some crude things to Buffy several times throughout the season. And then he also, like, there's several conversations that he has with the characters where he says some very hurtful, pointed things. And he's never called out for his hypocrisy. And that's the biggest thing. Xander is very hypocritical. But I sense that the show is trying to use Xander to show a different viewpoint from what everybody else is feeling. But they're not doing it well because the way that Xander comes across is abrasive and nobody's actually calling him out for his hypocrisy. So it's like if you're going to use Xander to give a different viewpoint, you have to make him less abrasive. 
So that's a lot I know. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. Is there anything that like you feel like the show could have done better that was missing out on? I mean, season two is just great. And I don't – I think I've, we're just nitpicking at this point. But is there anything that you feel like season two could have changed and it would have improved it a little bit? Um, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, you know, and I don't want these things to get misconstrued for us not loving season two. Like, I love season two. I think it's just easier to talk about what could have been fixed because I feel like it's already implied that we love it so much. Uh, everything with Kendra's character, I feel like that was a huge, huge, I don't know what the word is, but it, it just, it was not done intentionally. And I really just feel like her character, was not used to its potential. And I, I like that she died. It's not that I don't like that she died, but I wish her death was like, it just showed her fighting in glory or I wish that her accent was done more justice. I like, I just think oh, that- I totally forgot about Kendra. Yes, yeah, I agree. I think that just in general, Kendra's character was not given the, I don't know, stage that it deserved. Um, I agree with you about Giles mourning Jenny. I completely agree about that. I think we should have had an episode showing him mourn her. Um, but honestly, as a whole, the difference between season two and one is crazy. Like season two made huge strides. Mine would be definitely Kendra and Giles. I think that they give us a, like a little bit of a taste and then like nothing. And here's the thing. I'd rather have a skippable episode where they dig at least a little bit deeper into those characters than just a filler episode that has nothing to do with the plot. Um, especially with Kendra, just because so far she's the only like person of color that has somewhat depth into a character. And she's supposed to mirror Buffy, so she's supposed to be feminist. She's supposed to be strong. She's supposed to be all these things. And you could do so much with that, with bringing in somebody who's of color and represents that community. And then it's like, I know we talked about this, you know, um, way back in what's my line, but it's like, you know, the whole accent thing or like, it's just sad. Cause it's like, you see how much the show does take care of a lot of its characters. Like I said, with angel, like I have legitimately like never seen in television, not, not so much like in movies. Cause I think they have to really make everyone's arcs a lot faster in movies, but in television, I've never seen a male character, that is taken and done so carefully and so like sensitively as Angel's character for a male. Um, and so we know that the show can do really well with really three-dimensional, really in-depth characters, especially with Buffy as well. And it's like, why didn't we get that with someone who represents community that is, especially during this time, is like severely lacked and representation in television. So that really frustrates me. I just think that she deserved better as a character. Okay. So my last question is, and Tabby, you're going to hate this. <laughs> Do you guys have a favorite moment from not just like, I mean, you can choose one like in general that maybe you've always loved, but from this last rewatch, as we were going through each of the episodes, as we were dissecting things, maybe there was an ep there was a scene that jumped out to you that you'd never thought about before that you're like, wow, I really love that. Or you can pick an old favorite. That's fine too. But I'm curious. I'll go first. So 
when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, I'm going to write Becoming Part 2. I literally love the ramp up to right before Angel gets his soul. I love that moment where it's like, you know, uh, Willow saying Hakum or whatever it is that she's saying. And then um, – A quorum. And then <laughs> – yeah, I don't know what it is. And then, you know, she has that moment where she kind of falls back and then Buffy lifts up the sword and Angel gasps. That moment is just like, <gasps> it's so good. Um, and I think I'll always love that moment. But, and I, I shared this before, but I think with this past walkthrough, that moment where Giles is talking about forgiveness and I only have eyes for you, I think that is my single favorite moment from this last rewatch of season two. I agree. I mean, I... The end of Becoming Part 2 has always been like such a – it's been close to my heart. But I think I think it, it shows Buffy having to give up something and having to push through with it. And I think that's really beautiful. But I think what tops it for me is – and hence why this is my favorite episode of Season 2 – is at the end of Innocence where she finds out about her boyfriend and rather sitting there and sobbing, which would be okay. She could do that very, you know, totally okay. <laughs> um, at the end, she fights him and then just says, give me time and then walks away. It's her knowing and deciding in her mind and being well aware that she will kill him. It just can't be right now. And I think that shows so much emotional intelligence. Um, I know I've talked about this a lot, but it's like, especially in the 90s, you did not see female characters being emotionally intelligent. And this is why they created a Buffy character. Um, and they kind of mirrored Buffy off of um, the character Cher, which is like one of my favorite movies, such a good comfort movie, Clueless. Um, but they started turning the corner and showing feminist characters outside of the box of being angry, like I'm an out in your face type of feminist characters. And... Like a good example of this would be Elle Woods in Legally Blonde. Um, it's somebody who looks very stereotypical, but is very emotionally intelligent, very kind, very strong, ha has all the characteristics, but loves pink, loves dressing up, loves things that girls can love and doesn't have to give up part of themselves in order to be strong, in order to be a feminist, in order to be all these things. Um, and I think we we did not see female characters with the marriage of those two in television. I think this is really the turning point. And I think that Buffy shows such immense emotional intelligence for her age, for her circumstances and for everything. And I think that I just love her for it. And that moment is one of those moments where I'm just like, I want to be Buffy so much, you know, you're just like the way she responds to things, the way that she just knows what she has to do and knows herself. And is like, you know, like I will get there and I will be okay. But as of right now, I'm, a, I, it's okay for me to mourn. It's okay for me to walk away. And that's just so powerful. I mean, I obviously agree with both of your answers. I think mine isn't so much of an inspirational moment so much as it is just a, beautiful moment to observe um and i think that i mean it's kind of morbid but the scene that kind of like i just got chills in was during passion when angel is outside of buffy's house watching willow and buffy mourn i think that it is chilling and it is beautiful and the acting that is done is just phenomenal 
I think that there are so many scenes in Passion that I could honestly pick that just blow me away. But that one, I forget about it. And then when it comes, I am blown away. All really good answers. I love that. I I love that they're unique and they're different from the regular um, moments that everyone thinks of, like Buffy with the rocket launcher and stuff, which those are fine too. But I feel like that speaks to the power of this show that there's so many moments to choose from apart from the quote unquote big moments. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. That wraps up our season two recap. We're curious what your guys' thoughts are. What is your favorite moment? What is your favorite episode? Um, least favorite episode. Let us know guys. And I'm always really curious to hear what people have to say about that simply because I feel like everybody's answer is so different and so personal. And that's the beauty of Buffy. Uh, stick around. We will be having our chat with Liz about her thoughts of season two. Liz is an English teacher, and she's so insightful and so good at uh, picking out storylines that are going to happen. You guys, if you want to, you can go back and listen to our season one recap with her and listen to some of her predictions for the season and see if they came true. I'm super excited to hear from her. So stick around for that, and we will see you guys next time. Hey guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we are doing our recap with Liz. And Liz was with us last season. She's never seen the show before. I guess I should stop saying that. This is her first time watching the show. She's going into season three. And okay, question. Have you watched ahead? Have you seen any of season three yet? I have not. I like just finished season two, so I'm fresh off of it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I was I was like, I'm not going to blame you if you move ahead because that is a rough episode to just stop and not move forward from. Yeah. Um, but this is Liz's first time watching the show, and we thought it would be really cool to have a perspective of someone who's never seen the show before um, and doesn't know what's going to come later on. For us, we've been watching the show for years and years, and so it's I think sometimes it's hard as we dissect each episode to have a completely unbiased opinion because we know what's going to happen. We've watched it so many times. So we're just excited to have you here. Thanks so much for coming. I'm super excited to hear your thoughts about the season. Thank you for having me. It's super fun. Whenever I listen to your podcast, if you're saying something different than what I like, what I thought, I'm like, I wonder if that's because I have a different opinion or if it's because <laughs> of things that are coming, but I'm right? so excited to talk about it with you. Right. Yeah, no, totally. Okay. All right. So just right off the bat, like first impressions of season two, what was your overall thoughts like in comparison to season one or even just like the stride of the show, the metaphors, give it to us. Yeah. Um, It was really interesting because I could see how I did enjoy season one, but I feel like it definitely transitioned from kind of a campy, this is just kind of 90s, cool, fun to, oh, wow. Like, we're going here. And I felt like there was a huge transition halfway into the season when I was like, this is a completely different show. Mm -hmm. These characters are are at a completely different level. Um, And it was really like right about um, that episode. I think it was surprise Mm -hmm. and innocence where I'm like, okay, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this is a different ball game in such a good way. Um, I will say a couple of the episodes toward the end, like the one with the seamen, I was like, "Uh." we all hate that episode. It's okay. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) we were doing so well. Um, And then I'm like, wow, we've got really gross this season. Like the egg thing, that little bad eggs. eggs, Yes. (laughs) Anything that's like 
crawly or squirmy oh, yeah. resembling yeah. a snake. I, I can't. The episode with snakes, yeah. I, my eyes were closed half the time also. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I really liked seeing where the different characters went and the relationships develop. And oh my gosh, Angel, like mm-hmm. what? What a jerk. I was getting yes. it. <laughs> like, it's so funny because by the end, I was like, Spike seems like a nice guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because right. isn't just bad. He's like cruel, mm-hmm. As, you know? And I, it's just, I did not see that going there. So that was interesting. And then, of course, with the season ending with him, you know, going off into the little hell portal situation. Um, so, yeah, I really liked it. I actually really enjoyed seeing characters like Willow finally get something good, too. Like, I love Willow. She's probably my favorite character. And I'm always like, can somebody have a crush on her? Because she's adorable. I know. And they should. So I okay, love what seeing- did you think of Oz? What did you I think love of Oz? him. Yes, the they gave her the perfect love interest. So cute. And I loved how she is completely in her own little, like, nobody notices me world and nobody could notice me. And he's over there just like, who is that weirdo that I adore? You know, like the Halloween episode where he's trying to talk to her and she's just worried about her little ghost outfit, um, which is so cute. So I loved how they showed him kind of like noticing her for several episodes before you really had any, you know, connection there. I thought that was really cute. And I actually really don't, don't at me, but I actually really like, Xander and Cordelia together I think it actually makes sense hmm. and I know you guys have a lot of opinions about Xander it's okay go ahead I do want to I do want to talk about those at some go point ahead. today I did yeah. read it a little you want, should we go there yeah go ahead while we're here go ahead the floor is yours okay well I will never uh you know condone him um being predatory or anything like that um what I thought was interesting in that episode, I'm trying to remember which title it was, but the episode where he does the love, Bewitched, um, mm-hmm. Bewitched, the episode where he does the love spell at the very beginning um, when he and Buffy are talking. And, um, you know, I know you guys discussed how he's so ready to just be with Buffy if she'd have him. And I actually read it slightly differently mm, because okay. when she's saying, you know, she's like, oh, you're too good for Cordelia. I think that's really unfair for her to say to him because she's rejected him. So you can't say no to somebody and then be like, this is what I want for your love life. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually kind of cruel too. And Mm -hmm. while Cordelia does suck in a lot of ways, that that was how I read it. I was like, Cordelia is problematic. So I see where Buffy's coming from. Um, But I feel like in the world of relationships, when somebody has such feelings for you, it's unfair to like say, I won't give you what you want, but also you shouldn't have anyone else that you want. Mm. I'm going to judge um, you for your romantic interests. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's very valid. So I definitely thought that. I also felt like um, throughout that episode, there's definitely like some problematic things. And I think Xander is definitely a little too focused, obviously, on himself. But I also <laughs> think it's a really good picture. And I think we talked about this last season. But it's a really good picture of somebody who's a part of a certain culture. If you think about toxic masculinity, it's not good for the peop- the women that it's used against, but it's also not good for the men who are trying to be accepted in their society. Mm-hmm. And I think for Xander, he's a lot more than meets the eye. He's always mm-hmm. making these comments. He's always making these jokes that you're like, okay, Xander, stop. But he's also, he lives in a society that tells him this is what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. You need respect. 
you need this. And I think that he's kind of proven in certain ways that he he cares about more than that, mm-hmm. um, that he does truly care about Buffy. But I think there's an element of him still figuring out what it means to be a man in his society. And at this point, he's not quite winning that battle. Um, so that's kind of how I read it. And I also felt like instantaneously you could see how uncomfortable he was. Yes. And I, yes. And while Cordelia is the one who grows externally in that episode, I did feel like he, he you get the aw- self-awareness of everything he says he wants isn't quite what he actually wants because mm-hmm. when everybody's after him, he's totally creeped out. Mm-hmm. Um, he does want real connection, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know how to ask for that. So I, I kind of read that a little bit differently. And I feel like Cordelia, who I'm liking more and more, um, she's always had fun lines and things like that. But I think she's another character who there's a lot more to her than meets the eye. And that's why I think her and Xander are interesting because they both seem like one thing, but there's a lot more to them. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about that. I also felt like you could see several times, like I know Xander loves Buffy. I, I, I know that, but also I think he really does care for Cordelia from what I can see so far. But I think there's also, he she's kind of cold about how she feels. So they're both kind of in this, this struggle of like, do I let that other person, like, do I be vulnerable and like let down my guard and stop making jokes about how I can't mm-hmm. stand them or, and, and risk being rejected because that's his whole coping mechanism is yeah. in life is to tell a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, that is who Xander is. And it is a coping mechanism. It's not necessarily reflection of how he views the world. Um, and so I kind of felt maybe it's just the middle child in me because I'm always <laughs> saying something funny to be like, okay, we got to break this up. Um, but I, that's how I felt in, in watching those scenes. And I felt like at that point where she says, you know, this, this spell was for me while he was trying to get revenge. And that's really creepy. I also think she, she's been struggling to make her decision because she sees how much she cares for Buffy and it's hard for her to be like, okay, I'm all in with this when she's constantly feeling threatened by his mm-hmm. relationship with Buffy. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's totally off base, but that was kind of how I read that. Yeah, no, I I think that, that there that's very valid. Um, I'd have to like, okay. Not sure too much about the future, but um, no, I think you actually know what happens. So yeah, I'm like, exactly. No, it's lit. fine. <laughs> no, I think you're very insightful, and I think especially with bewitched and bothered and bewildered, such a long title, but specifically like Xander's uncomfortableness in that episode, I think spoke volumes to his character, and I think you're like mm-hmm. right on when you're talking about how he actually desires something deeper. And I think that him and Cordelia, it is sweet to see their relationship progress. Even how they're they're around each other and becoming part two is very coupley, but in a tender, deeper, more intimate mm-hmm. way. Um, and like we've talked about, you've probably heard us on the on the podcast how they struggle to communicate those feelings in a positive way because they've had societal pressures for Xander um, and for Cordelia to kind of jab at each other because they both come from completely different classes, mm-hmm. like socially in high school. And so mm-hmm. this idea of like, how do we get over that and not worry so much about what other people think? Um, 
And how do we like learn to actually communicate better with each other? I don't know. I just think it's, it's interesting. And you're, yeah, you're very insightful. I, I, I appreciate that you're more gracious with Xander than probably than we are. We should definitely learn to be more so, but it is interesting. (laughs) And I think that it is good that you see that because I think that Xander's not a bad character and Xander is very human, very flawed, but also has some great characteristics. And I think that he's the one character that I really do want to like try and dig a little bit deeper and not just be like, ah, okay, he's being a jerk again, you know? Totally. Totally. Um, I think based off of what we've seen of Xander so far, because I think it'd be different if they gave us more of a background with Xander, then we could be like, okay, he has some trauma uh, and then we can dig a little bit into deep, deeper into that. I think that, um, and I'm glad that you brought up like um, different aspects of scenarios that, as you said, like were problematic of Xander, but then also not okay of Buffy. And so I think that's really important to like dig into as well. And I love how you explained Cordelia and Xander's dynamic because I think they're really enjoyable and I think they're stuck in that um, I actually like you but I don't really want to like say how much I like you because I really don't want to be hurt and also I think that both of them have a lot of pride and so I think that if one of them breaks the ice being like hey I actually I'm really scared because I actually am really into you. I think that that would change the whole dynamic of their relationship. I think that they would have to face the like you know, the music, they'd have to talk about stuff that's like not okay that they do stuff that they have to like, really like, I don't know, stop running away from and make it a little bit more meaningful. And I think that once you, a relationship becomes a lot deeper then people have a hold on you. And then that's a lot more, um, vulnerable. And I think neither of them are good at that. And neither of them know how to do that. And neither of them are emotionally intelligent enough to do that. So it's really interesting that you bring that up. I totally agree. And it's funny because they communicate the same way, but they can't communicate with each other. <laughs> so they both like one minute, it's like, I hate your guts. Let's make out. Like, okay, you don't totally hate each other's guts. So yeah, hormones, sure. But there's something else there. So yeah, it's interesting that they're the same, but oftentimes people that are too similar actually have more trouble communicating because it also kind of highlights your own flaws and your presented with the ugliness that's in you that isn't super enjoyable to watch. Um, so yeah, that's definitely been interesting. I've been like dying to ask you this or not ask you, but bring it up. In <laughs> um, the the predictions for season two, the last time you were here, you like were like, oh, like we'll see what happens with like Buffy and Xander, which I just had a good laugh about just because I was like, that's not the direction of season two at all. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um how do you feel about the direction that they took with like Buffy and Angel in that storyline? And do you think that Buffy and Xander will eventually get to that storyline or do you think they've moved past that? What do you think? Yeah. It, it's funny because sometimes I'm one of those viewers that I like completely stand super, certain couples. I can't talk right now, certain couples. And I'm like, they need to be together. And then other times whoever they're with. I'm like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that is about me. Um, but yeah, but watching it this season, I was like, I actually really like, obviously, I mean, they're really into each other, Angel and Buffy for each other. And I really like Xander and Cordelia for each other. And I really like Willow and Oz for each other. So I definitely think I, I feel like with any show like this, and you guys touched on this, and I love that you talked about the fact that, um, Oftentimes, the couple that you want to be together, you can't keep them together because when you do, the story gets boring. There's that famous um, line that like, um, 
watching people fall in love is fun. Watching mm-hmm. people be in love is obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so you can't sustain seasons of a show with people that are just like, oh, they're so beautiful together. Um, we'd all die. So I definitely feel like that's that's Angel and, and she will be drawn back to you. I, I mean, he can't be gone, obviously. Um, I mean, I know there's a show out there called Angel. <laughs> I feel like obviously I I know enough that he's not going away for good. Like hell won't keep him away. Um, So I feel like that's obviously always going to be there. Um, I also do feel like that relationship is fraught with issues as well that I'm, I'm not sure that they can overcome those issues. I mean, like being undead is kind of a big, big issue. Um, So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm, I know that I feel like that is like the, I feel like that is the end game relationship, but I don't know how they're going to play around with that. And I feel like in a show like this, I do feel like the characters will get tossed around as far as who's paired with who um, to some extent. I definitely, yeah, I definitely don't think Xander and Buffy are right for each other, hmm. but I do feel like this season with a- Angelus being like, having to be removed, it changed that dynamic a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I trust that Angel will be back and they will be back <laughs> together in some way. I, I'm really curious where Buffy went because I'm like the whole mouth, isn't it still, it's still there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm assuming she has to come back. So I thought that I'm like, okay, we're getting on a bus. So I'm curious if that's like a five minute jaunt to the next town or if this is going to be a bigger issue. Um, but yeah, I definitely think my Xander prediction was crap. Um, <laughs> That's not I were all say. just like, when you said that we were like, but you I, know, I yeah. think though it's that, that, that is the trope, like it best is. friend and yeah. that's there and they do play around with that for a reason. So, yeah. um, yeah, obviously that, I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's like end game status, but Yeah. I made some bad predictions. This is my first time, guys. You gotta no, bear it's with okay. Me. Oh. We live for the bad predictions because <laughs> then we can go he 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 he. Well, like rewatching the first season, and having to break it down. All of us talked about it, but there was so much that they planted with Xander in the mm-hmm. first season. Like we mm-hmm. had like three Xander centric episodes, and they all were wrapped around him being in love with Buffy. And I was like, Omar, I didn't even realize how much it focuses on Xander in the first season. So I don't blame you at no. all for that. Prediction. Cool. <laughs> and I also think that best friend thing is always a thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like whether or not they actually end up together is questionable, but that's always like, oh, best friend, I have a crush on my that's mm. always a thing. None of your predictions are bad predictions. Thank you. <laughs> oh, are you telling me something about season three? No. <laughs> I'm like, Xander and Buffy are dead. And then next episode, they'll be we're like, ha, ha, ha. Great. Um, but yeah, I, I also feel like obviously Buffy is such – like she's our main, main girl. Um, and there's so much to admire. I feel like characters like Xander and Willow, they need their own person – because when you're with Buffy, Buffy is like, while she is selfless, she's like the center of a universe. And on some level, Angelus is her only equal. And so for her to be with Xander isn't really fair to Xander. And it's not really fair to her. Um, and, and I kind of feel the same way with like Xander and Willow. Willow deserves to be with somebody 
who is equally as into her as she is into them. And I, mm-hmm. that's what I thought was so weird about the Bewitched episode. I was like, I get why all these other people are in love with him, but she already was into him. So why is she into him? So I guess just everybody but Cordelia was into him. Um, but that was so weird to me because she was already into him. So I didn't feel like she needed a spell to do that to her. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just Xander's own insecurity in that episode of like, oh, she doesn't actually care for me because she broke up with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he, And that just shows like their lack of communication. If he's not aware of that, then that means that like they need to communicate more and Cordelia needs to do a better job of showing him. That's what that moment at the end of the episode showed Xander. She loves him yeah. so much or at least cares for him so much that she's willing to tell him that in front of all her friends and choose him actively in front of her reputation, her status and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and then of course being them, it's like a big breakthrough, but there has to be that zinger of like – even though you're a loser. <laughs> I right. Love yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Can't change too much. <laughs> yeah. But to some extent, I mean, you're always going to have a little bit of that banter in a relationship. So I don't think that should ever go fully away because that is who they are. Sure, um, sure. But yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask, what did you think of all the new characters that were introduced this season? Okay. So I'm trying to think. I feel like I, I, it, I watched the whole thing and I try to like watch it pretty close together. And then I feel like I don't remember a lot of the details, but I'm trying so to think. So we've got Oz. There's Kendra, Oz, Kendra, Spike, Drusilla, Spike. and then am I forgetting Jenny Callender? Jen, no, Jenny yeah. was in the first season. She was, but yeah. she was only there like briefly. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. yeah. And then you have technically Angelus. Yes. So it's so interesting because at the beginning of the season, it's like Spike. I'm like, Spike is so awful. This is such a big, bad situation, which you guys talked about that too. And then I, by the end, Angelus is so horrible that I was like, I would like to hang out with Spike. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone feels bad for Spike in season two. Yeah, which like obviously he's not a nice guy, but it's that the contrast is just crazy how my feelings changed about him. And then Drusilla, I just kind of get annoyed with. I'm like, stop trying to make out with everybody. Even Giles. Even Giles. I'm like, calm down. Like, you got your information. This is unnecessary. Um, So she's kind of interesting in that way. Angelus, I think they did a really good job of making him, like, making him the worst version of what you needed him to be in, in this show. Because you have this person you fall in love with, and then not only do they become bad, but they literally get pleasure in tormenting you psychologically, which in my opinion, he does a lot more to her psychologically than he does physically. Mm-hmm. And that's so much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, abuse is abuse, but I think that's in many ways much more torment tormenting to her. Um, so yeah, that that was wild. Miss Calendar, I, I could feel something bad was coming. Like, and they gave clues. I was like, okay, she's bad. I never really forgave her either in the sense that I'm like, okay, you're, you're, everything you've been doing is kind of a lie. So I get that like you were doing it for your family, but I never felt like that necessarily went away. I actually felt like they forgave her pretty quickly. I know Giles kind of held on a little bit longer, um, held out on that, but I felt like I was like, okay, so we're just, we're cool with her now after her whole mission was to destroy two people's lives. And literally I felt like destroying Angelus, you're, you're killing other people because the minute Angelus is Angelus, somebody's dead. 
and we've opened up a whole other can of worms. So in, in some senses, she's responsible for murder. Um, that's, that's how I saw it. So I, I kind of never got over that with her because while she didn't do that directly, um, kill anyone, she is responsible for all that happens to Angelus after that. Um, it was funny because after the whole Angelus killing the woman in the alley thing, I was like, but wait, <laughs> like this is a dream, right? Or like this mm-hmm. has to, so I didn't expect it to turn into like, oh, this is the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was definitely, definitely hard to watch. I didn't believe it at first. I was like, oh, this will just be like a few moments here. And then I was like, oh crap, this is, we're moving this direction. Um, Kendra, oh, they really could have been more fair to her accent. That's awful. Like, how much are we stereotyping people and giving them random, unbelievable accents? Yeah. I felt really bad about that. Yeah. She's a really well-known actress. I remember mm-hmm. seeing her in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was really unsettling. Um, I thought it was interesting how they did that with Buffy dying in the first season. So I liked, I liked how they... Um, they tied that in that came back and it made sense. I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like she was fine, but I felt like it was really sad that they, they didn't make her character's voice more believable. Um, I did think it was cool to see the juxtaposition right there with you. Right. I, I just, I'm like, really, we do so well with so many things. And yeah. Why (laughs) why are we dropping the ball on this particular character? Yeah. And it seems like a minor thing. Um, and they could have just had her speak in her normal voice. That's not her voice. Yeah, that was the plan up until like the night before. And then they were like, well, this is the accent we're going for. And she's like, okay. So how sad to be an actress and be like, okay, cool. I have to do this random thing they're giving me the night before. Right. Um, Yeah. So I didn't like – I did think it was really interesting. And I thought it was interesting for Buffy because as she's had to mourn her loss of a normal life to see that she still compared to this other girl – does have a much more normal life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there, you see that she's a lot more, she's definitely resigned to the fact that she's the slayer the whole season. But I think you see at that point that there was a sense of like gratitude and realization that her life isn't as empty as she thought. Um, so I thought that was really good for her character development. Um, trying to think Miss Calendar, Spike, Drusilla. Yeah, Drusilla. I'm just like, why do we have to make out with everyone? <laughs> Is this a thing? Um, <laughs> I have yeah. a whole a, a lot of thoughts on the the innocence episode yeah, too. Talk about so. it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was at, that was my next question actually. I was going to ask like there was a couple of pretty big bombs that dropped in this season, and like you know we have innocence, and then we have uh, our surprise and innocence, and then passion. Like there's several big episodes, but I would say surprise and innocence stand out as like literally the linchpin of the season and it's the turning point. And what were your thoughts when all of that happened? Did you see that? Ha- like when Angel loses his soul, did you see that coming? Um, how do you think that affected Buffy? I definitely didn't see that, but I it was fun listening to you guys discuss it because the first thing I thought was, so we can't let a woman have sex without punishing her. Right. Um, <laughs> because... Every, especially in the nineties, losing your virginity. That was like always a big episode. Yeah. Dawson's Creek, um, one tree hill. It was always like that one character losing their virginity and it's never a big deal for a male character. Um, even when you know it's their first time, it's like, it's glossed over. And so 
um, that was really irritating. And I, I know you guys were talking about how, um, just didn't want to make it that way, but he really failed in his execution of allowing her to, you know, go a different way. I think that it turned into a brilliant plot device. Um, but I also do think on the one hand, while I think that he just kind of went where the story took him, I do think the show says a lot about culture. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not the right message, it is an accurate message to that time period and even mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. Um, I think. And I what I loved, and I it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire series so far, that conversation in the car with Giles. Oh my gosh. Where yes. he does the exact opposite of what most people would do. And even Buffy has internalized that that shame and placed the blame on herself. It's not her fault he lost his soul. You know, he, that was a that was a while ago that this whole thing got set in motion. But the fact that as women were conditioned that this must be my fault. And I love that you would think Giles being this fatherly, wise character. It would be like children shouldn't be having sex, but no, it's a very human response where he says, it's not your fault and she's going to blame herself. So I think that it's really powerful that in that moment, he just chooses to say, we're not going to go there and I'm going to support you through this. Um, And even seeing, I'm a big believer in this, but just acknowledging like, this is a thing. Teens do have sex. So Mm -hmm harping on, oh no, this didn't go well, isn't helping anyone. Um, And the fact that he's able to do that with her is really, really powerful. And you see their connection, I think how strong it's become. Um, And I, I, it's also interesting paralleled to her relationship with her own father and Joyce. I'm often like, are you really close to Joyce? Because Joyce doesn't know anything. And she just thinks you're out there, you know, getting in fights um, and so I thought that was really interesting, not, not necessarily the core of the episode, but it really stood out to me that in all this, you know, blaming her situation, um, he doesn't go there for a second. And I thought that was really, really powerful. Um, I actually think that, um, surprise and innocence were far more compelling than becoming, Ooh, interesting. And that may just be because I'm tired. <laughs> and by the time that I got to them, I was like tired, but sure. um, just from life. But um, I felt like those two episodes, I was like, oh my gosh, we went there. And then by becoming at the very end, the ending is very compelling. But along the way, I was kind of like, okay, like what, where are we going with this? Hmm. Um, so I, I can see why those were the most viewed. And as you were saying, the way they chose to air them, was absolutely brilliant because you mm-hmm. use usually lose viewers when you move nights. Right. Um, so the fact that they did it that way with the part two is brilliant. Yeah. yeah um. Is. Yeah. Really good. Before we um exit away from the whole innocence conversation with her and Giles, uh, I was just kind of adding on to what you were saying, Liz. I think that my favorite part of that whole conversation, kind of like what you're saying, like he didn't take that opportunity to like reprimand her or like anything like that. But my favorite aspect of that whole conversation is the fact that he affirmed her and Angel's relationship in that moment rather than like being Mm -hmm. like, oh, um, you rushed it or like whatever, or like you weren't like being careful, like all these sorts of things. He just said that like- I believe that he loved you and he's proven on multiple occasions that he has. 
I find that really beautiful because he not only like has seen it, but he respects and is Buffy's decision and and yeah. is affirming her saying that I saw what you felt. And so I think that like I mm. love that just because it's it's very yes. um mm-hmm. he's treating her like an adult in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And she's not mm-hmm. she just turned 17. Like she's not even like yep. a full on adult yet. And he's saying, Hey, like you weren't wrong. And yeah, like it's not your fault. And acknowledging her agency, it's it reminds me of the scene where he reprimands Xander for doing the love spell. Like you moron, you're taking this thing that's a really serious still, and Xander's doing the opposite. He's taking away these women's um ability to choose what they're doing to give consent towards something. And in her situation, he's saying, This was your choice, you have agency. And it was real. And yeah, absolutely. Because you think about it and um, while it's metaphorical, like, yeah, it was rash in the same way that any two teenagers in high school that are in a serious relationship are when they have sex. But how was she to know what was going to happen? It's no more rash than anything else. So the fact that he acknowledges that there were, were real feelings there. And it's so hard because I feel like when Angel becomes Angelus, he's a completely different person, but I can't imagine how that won't, whenever he comes back, I can't imagine how that won't taint whatever they, like, I don't think you just pick up and go, oh, you were trying to kill me. You ate people after we had sex and let's get back into that relationship. Like, I don't know how you're going to come back from that. So I think that will be interesting to see as well. Which I think that Angel's character um, before becoming had happened um, as Angel, I think what was really beautiful and what they kind of tapped into at least a little bit from what we had seen um, is the idea of just somebody who's recovering and trying to make amends for their past. And I, I just, oh my gosh, a lot of the metaphors in season two are just so deep. Um, and a lot of them are used through a male, which I feel like is um, not really done, especially during that time. A lot of like emotional metaphors are not done through male characters. Um, because hmm. they always see it that women are more emotional and and vulnerable and in tune to their emotions. And so that's why Angel is like one of my favorites. Um, and I think that it's really beautiful to see somebody feel remorse, but then not allowing themselves to be happy and not allowing themselves to like kind of give in and like have a normal life. And so I think that if they do that, go that direction um, with Angel coming back, I think that that is it, – it's different when someone tells you about their, their past and then when they slip up. And I think Angel as a character is a huge metaphor mm. from just relapse mm-hmm. um, and people who yeah. just struggle with like addiction. And so I think that there's so much – I just – I think Angel's such an interesting character. And I hate when people say Definitely. he's like quote unquote boring. But I'm like, you don't understand his character then. You don't understand why yeah. he's so sad and brooding in the first – half of you know season two or whatever well and I love I love that you brought that up because as you were talking I was just thinking of of how you guys were talking about I don't remember who was saying it but in the uh, bewitched episode how Amy it's like an addiction witchcraft is witchcraft can't talk is like an addiction for her and it that's what I was thinking when you were talking about this for angel this is like he's relapsed into alcoholism mm-hmm. or something like that and he spent all that time rebuilding a person that had a soul that was um, a good person. And now 
he'd have to start from scratch, just like somebody has to when they get their first day chip. Um, and the repercussions of that for everyone. And like you said, the fact that she's now seen it. So it's not just like, okay, this happened in the past, but she's seen it and personally been affected by it. Um, so I feel like that will be a huge, huge storyline. I feel like he's not going to pop up to like the middle of season three, because we like things to pop in in the middle of <laughs> middle of the season. Um and I did catch you guys saying that before too. So I feel like he'll be gone for a while and all of a sudden he'll be like, he's there. <laughs> Dang, you um, caught us slipping up on something. <laughs> we said something in the spoiler-free section. <laughs> no, yeah, no. And I think that's just also just seeing how she's going a different direction. She's going to have to mourn and uh, grieve. So I do really feel like they're not going to bring him back in that first episode. It's going to be more drawn out. And that's one of the things I noticed between season one and season two. I felt like season one, a lot of the episodes were just like, okay, this, we had this little problem and it was solved in an episode. And there were a few of those here, but I feel like the conflicts are getting to be more complex mm-hmm. and more drawn out. And so I'm excited to see that evolve in season three where it's not like, okay, this problem is solved overnight. And now we've got this long standing thing of, will he come back? Will she heal? heal? Will this work out? I think that's going to be interesting. So we'll see if that's a good prediction or not. We'll find out. My Xander one was not. <laughs> um, we'll see. I, well, I have a question. I um, I want to know your favorite metaphor in season two. It could be oh, an gosh. episodic uh, metaphor. It could be a character metaphor, whatever you'd like, a storyline. Oh, gosh. Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. You can think about it for Yeah. I feel like – okay. So I feel like uh, – at my current brain state after teaching all week, I feel like you need to give me some options and I'll choose and elaborate sure. because I'm like, okay, I know there's so many, but my brain is not going to them. Lie to me is one of my favorites. That's with Ford. When he said like, I'm dying, I was like, oh crap. <laughs> when the, the show really becomes gray, that's like the turning point of the season. Yes. When you're like, oh, a lot of these episodic issues are not just like, oh, this bad guy's clearly bad. We're going to kill him. It's like, oh, this person is really struggling and they have an actual moral dilemma. Not saying that what he did was okay, but like you feel empathy for him. And that's the first time we've really seen a villain like that. Absolutely. I really did like that one a lot because I always prefer um, the gray to be shown because most of life is gray. So it doesn't mean there aren't things that are right and wrong, but usually your villains are not simple. Um, People are complex. They have good and they have bad. Um, I really did like that one. And I did not see that coming when all of a sudden it was like, oh, you know, I'm dying. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, like, but is it better to live as as a vampire? That was interesting too. Says a lot about your belief system if you think it's better to be undead. Um, Yeah. I think probably innocence, what Mm -hmm. innocence and um, surprise was probably my favorite. I also really did enjoy the bewitched one. I really Mm -hmm. did. I thought it was interesting and it was, it was problematic, but I thought that that revealed a lot about different characters. Mm -hmm. And I liked seeing people. I love how at the beginning, Cordelia, you're just like, oh gosh. And then by now I'm like, oh, she's hanging out with them now. Like Mm -hmm. they're all kind of like Cordelia, but she's their friend. She's part of their group. And so it's fun to see that subtly, like all of a sudden I was like, why is she hanging out with them? And at this point, um, it's really evolving. So I, I really did like that one. I thought it was funny. Um, it was disturbing, but in a way that I think the world is disturbing. Um, so I think it shed light on that, which I appreciate. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. What did you think of I Only Vice for You? That's one of my favorite episodes that no one really talks about, I feel like, in season two. I feel like that's really symbolic and really shows a lot oh. of like like Buffy's like inner motivations, angels. I got to be honest. I did not like that episode. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's actually a common thing when people watch it the first time. They usually absolutely hate it. They think it's melodramatic. They think it's like ridiculous and over the top. And it's usually yeah. like on people's second or third rewatch that they start to like it a little bit more. But yeah. that's really funny. And I think towards the end of the episode, I was like, okay, this is her and Angel. But most of the episode, I was like, okay, so we're back to doing these one-off episodes that are unreal. So that really kind of annoyed me. I think also, full disclosure, since I'm watching it, I, I did kind of binge most of them. It was spread out a little bit, um, but I kind of watched them in a row. And I think um, just by the end, I was like a little tired when I was watching that one. So that could have sure. been it as well. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think by the end of the episode, I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is her and Angel. But yeah, that one I struggled with. But I That's think it was funny. just first viewing a lack of seeing what was there. So I blame myself for that, but. No, that's totally fine. I think I found when I'm showing someone Buffy that it's not good to binge watch it. I found Mm -hmm. that it's just so meaty. You really have to maybe watch two episodes in one evening and then like marinate on it and then go and watch another one because there's so much that happens and so much you miss and don't pick up on if you're just kind of like, okay, going on to the next one. So you should, I mean, you know, you can do what you want, but I would definitely recommend maybe going back and rewatching it at some point because the whole theme of forgiveness. I mean, we talked about this in um, our recap earlier. Mm-hmm. My favorite moment and line is Giles saying to Buffy, you know, we forgive someone not because they deserve it, but because they need it. And forgiveness is an act of compassion. Yes. And I just think that is just so beautiful. It's a great line. Yeah. And for the most part, I was watching them like a couple a night, I will say. Um, not like 10 a day. Um, but I was thinking I have kind of just watched and observed and I, I'm kind of tempted next season to like sit down and take notes as I do it so that I'm remembering all my thoughts as I go. I I feel like there's value to both. You kind of want to experience the whole before you break it apart. But I also kind of feel like I had a lot of thoughts along the way that yeah, Yeah, somewhere else. Um, so I will definitely review that one and see if I have different – Go back and watch them all. No, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's such a common thing to be like, oh, I did not like I only have eyes for you. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I can see how there's so much to analyze. So I'm sure on a rewatch, I'd be like, okay, so this connects to this coming and this right. is this. Right. Um, but yeah, in the moment, it did it not – okay. It did totally not understandable. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, was there anything that – you really wanted to see happen in season two that you didn't see? I mean, you don't have to have an answer, but at least for me, I remember when I first watched it, I remember a lot of people would tell me like, oh, season two is really good. And I remember watching season two and loving it. There was a couple of things I thought I was going to see that I didn't. And I mean, obviously I ended up getting satisfied by the end of the show, but um, I don't know. Cause I feel like a lot of people are always like, just get through the first season. And so- I'm just curious what that feels like to get through the first season and get to the second season and feel like if you That's were That's such a good anything. question. Yeah, I think I I think at the beginning of the season, I, I did like the episodes, but for the first few I felt a little bit kind of like what I was saying before where I was like, okay, this seems a little bit disjointed or like one minute Angel and her would be like, are we a thing? And the next episode, he's my boyfriend. And I was like, okay, cool. I saw it going there, but 
I liked that in the middle of the season, I felt like they elaborated on that development more. Whereas there were a few things that did take place at the beginning of the season that I was like, okay, so now all of a sudden, like he's their boyfriend. And now all of a sudden this is happening. Um, So I think that kind of irritated me at a few spots, but I do think that evolved later on, which I also appreciate. And I do feel like everything is layered enough that it is building on something else, even when in the se- in the season, while you're watching it, it doesn't necessarily feel that way. But I do feel like stuff keeps popping back up, which I really appreciate as well. I love that question. That's a good one. Yeah, no, but I, I agree with your answer. I definitely feel like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, like uh, last season, Angel and Buffy could barely go on a date together. Like, And so I, I do definitely understand where that progression can seem kind of fast. Yeah, I definitely like by the time they got together, though, I was like, oh, yeah, he's real appealing. <laughs> like, I get it. He's real appealing. Um, and then he becomes Angelus. And I'm like, I don't know if I can unsee this. I don't know. I don't know. He has to win me back. I don't know. Angelus is, <laughs> is a hard pill to swallow. I think that's, oh, God. Yes. I just, David did such a, too good of a job he playing did. Angelus just because, like, and I think, that's why the ending of Becoming Part 2 is as impactful as it is because you don't realize how different Angel and Angelus are. And then when he gets his like, oh, when he gets his soul re- restored, I wish I could go back and watch that for the first time because I remember being like so shocked. And <sighs> the, the difference and he just immediately is just crying and he doesn't know why he's crying. He doesn't remember anything. And all of a sudden he's just tender again. He's like, like Buffy, you're hurt. Even though he hurt her, it's just like – Oh, it's so good. It was such a switch. It was such yeah. a switch. And it it was heartbreaking because, like, she's seeing that portal open. Mm-hmm. And she, and he's like, what is it? And oh. she, never mind. Like, and it's, it's kind of like if you've ever read – well, I don't want to – this is a spoiler for a great book, but I feel like the ending's famous. Can I say it? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. The ending of, of Mice and Men when you know that um, George is going to shoot his best friend. I and it's, love it's, Of Mice and Men. Me too. It's, it's one of my it's favorite my favorite, books. It's so good. And it's one of my favorites to teach because it's such a, a, a conversation of like, was that the right thing to do? And yes. I love in that scene where you realize like, wait a second, he just <laughs> shot his best friend. So he mercy. killed him, but it was mercy. And he did it in the way that was soothing to him because someone was going to cruelly and brutally murder him. Mm when they found him. And I felt like that was what this was. She's like realizing what's going to happen. And as I was watching, I didn't fully realize I was like, she's going to stop this. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit like, why is she just like, don't don't look, you know, Mm -hmm. but then realizing like as the one second she gets back the person that she loves and then she has to, she she can't even enjoy that. She, in an act of selfless love, she has to protect him from the reality of what's coming. And that was, yeah, that was a really beautiful moment. And I, I, yeah, I didn't see that coming when Willow started doing her weird thing. I was like, Oh no, she's working for the other side now. Like that was what I thought. <laughs> oh no, like Drusilla somehow, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Cause it, she seemed really evil as she was doing it. And I was like, Oh no, mm-hmm. she's a demon now, or she's going to be a vampire or something. Uh, not a vampire. Cause nobody bit her, but you get what I'm saying. But yep. I feel like, yeah. So seeing that, oh, wait, no, that it worked. And then, but it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, was definitely impa- an impactful moment. Um, I think that's just like a, a tribute to the acting, just like kind of like what I was just kind of like full circle. Um, it's such, he does such a good job playing Angels and Angel that like 
that moment of mm-hmm. him switching back because you say like you're like oh like he's irredeemable now that he's Angelus and I remember watching Angelus for the first time I don't remember my response to becoming but I remember my response to like Angelus because it was so like because I was just so in love with Angel that when Angelus was here mm-hmm. I was like heartbroken with Buffy and so I remember being like oh my gosh just kill him at this point like what like he's done so much <laughs> that I just was like I want him dead because I no longer saw him as Angel and so yes. having him switch back at the end and then just the acting just be completely reversed, you, like it shook – like it's – I don't know. It just – it shakes you every time because you're just like, I forget that Angel is sweet like this. I forget that this is how he is and it's like refreshing. But then it's also like they feel like two completely different people. Absolutely. Yeah. So that – that was wild. And I was a little bit, I was a little bit confused on wh- why couldn't she stop it at that point? Was it because they had already done everything to start, start it going? I know this. So <laughs> I know the this. whole point, the whole point is about Angel's blood and they, they bring it up in the beginning of the episode. They pretty much say like it, Angel, Angel's having a hard time being able to like pull, it's a Catholic, right? Mm-hmm bring a Catholic out. And then he has this whole moment where he's like, oh my goodness, it's my blood. It has to be my blood. And then right. they, they end up explaining that the person, aka the blood, that is able to bring a Catholic out is the only one that can bring him back and seal it again because it's the one who opened it. So because Angel slash Angelus was the one who used his blood and opened a Catholic, it had to be Angel slash Angelus who closed the gate again. Well, they talk about in becoming part one, it's a really like brief thing. And so it's the idea of like, you're, you're taking on that responsibility by if you're going to bring him into this world, your life is now tied with his. So if he dies, you die and it has to be like, yeah, it's the catalyst. I mean, obviously the, the real answer is for dramatic effect, um, because it wouldn't be enough to just be like, all right, angel, just scrape your hands. Okay. Now we go off into the sunset. Right. But that's actually... A common uh, thing with magic in this show is the idea of like if you're going to do something um, when it comes to blood, like it's it's going to require like all of your blood in order to close it. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They did not explain it uber well. I feel like it was kind of like shaky, but the idea is like it has to be. Um, and honestly, when I first saw it, I didn't grasp that. And so I think another way to look at it is also – Buffy makes that decision to kill Angel, possibly even because, I mean, this might be controversial, but possibly because she recognizes that there's a possibility that Angelus will come back. And so mm-hmm. she's like killing him because she's like, it's like he, it's too far gone, you know, it's and the right I already thing. have to. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's a, there's several different things. I think that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause even along the way, you're kind of like, you're only keeping him alive because your, your heart can't kill him. Yeah. Logically, she could have killed him in that first episode. Not sure. that any of us could have. Right. Um, and like as a TV viewer, I was like, of course he'll come back and he'll be good again. So like I was like, of course she's got to keep him alive. Right, but right. in their world, like she could have killed him then and that would have been justified and she kills yeah. everyone else. So the fact that she's finally at a point where she's able to do that yeah. has, is like probably got to be the hardest thing she'll one of the hardest things she would ever have to do. And the fact that she does it with such compassion, mm-hmm. like he had to come back right before he goes, you know, like he I couldn't know. just be, if he was Angela, she'd be like, see ya. <laughs> yeah, no, she um, was totally prepared. And something you need to know about the show too, is that the stuff that you want, they give to you 
when uh, you don't want it or when it's – Or they give it to you right before they're going to take it away. Take it away. Yep. The whole show is just masterful at just making you – Want it. And then want it and then just regret (laughs) wanting it. Um, but yeah. like just like punishing it, you for you yes. know getting what you want. It's beautiful <laughs> just because like you want to keep watching just because you're like I just want these characters to have some sort of happiness. I want them to have, but then you see them struggle and just be good people. I think it's just such yeah. like an enticing show to watch, just because like they get thrown at so many different things, and you're like I would handle this way worse than Buffy does, you know. And she's so strong oh, yeah. and like and like this is only season two. There's so much that happens mm-hmm. in the show where it's just like you just want this for Buffy and then she gets it and then it's taken away or like any other character or whatever. So um, it it's like painful to watch at times, but it's just really beautifully mm-hmm. done. Um, and I think that's just what life is too sometimes. Yes. And that's so powerful because – I mean I've watched whole seasons of shows because the characters that I like broke up and I was like, well, I will keep watching until yeah. everything's okay because <laughs> yeah. I need them to be for me to be okay same and it is powerful and it, it and it is real life in the sense that everything doesn't just end and everything is good and that's one of the great things about a series is you can you can show those highs and lows and that trajectory over time whereas in a film you have your hour and 46 minutes to wrap things up on some level um so i appreciate that you know as a frustrating as it can be um it's more meaningful to our characters and obviously Buffy's just going to continue to grow because of this. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see when they bring him back. But I feel I do feel like my my prediction is either like middle of season three or like the season finale of season three. <laughs> That's my prediction. I feel like I'll forever be laughing at my predictions since they're usually wrong. Um, You're on the internet forever. I, <laughs> Sarah's like, we're just gonna, you know. Keep this as a blackmail. Um, but yeah, I think that, and, and watching the other characters too, realizing like Giles, my heart broke for Giles because I'm like, he has to sacrifice a lot for Buffy too. And while Buffy's an incredible character and she does sacrifice a lot, other people have to give their lives up for her to be the slayer too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just, I love Giles more and more. And I love that we got to see his dark past and like how he grew Ripper Giles that. is hot, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so funny because, you know, he's this clean cut. And that's often how it is. You know, you see somebody when they're 40 and you're like, oh, you're nice. And then you really, okay, you had, you, everybody has a past. Um, this is interesting. I also, this is totally off topic, but can I bring it up? No, go ahead. Okay. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. The the whole season, I'm like, why don't you just tell your mom? Like, I feel like you keep having to like take her memory away. It would be, cause you're going to, she lets you do whatever you want. Really. I honestly, like for a TV mom, I know she cares, but I'm like, like, I would not be letting my kid go out and, you know run around with spikes and stuff. So what's going on here? I feel like she should have just told her, like, I am the slayer. I have no choice. And I felt like when she told her, I get why she did it, but it was the worst time to tell her because her mom just tried to stop her. Like, let's discuss this. Like she should have told her in a down moment when she could like sit there and be like, this is what this means. But the fact that she, I get why she told her that when she did, but it ended up being more of a hindrance and it just, 
it kills me the whole time with her mom being like, you run around with bad people. <laughs> You're irresponsible. Right, right. Choice. Yeah. No, I agree. I uh, I can't say much without spoiling, but your questions will be answered. Um, uh, I will say, though, I don't think that Buffy necessarily chose that moment to tell Joyce. I think that, first of all, like we, we kind of talk about this, but like Spike being there, like yeah. it kind of was like she needed an explanation and then that vamp just showed up and they had to stake the vamp. So it yeah. was kind of like Buffy was forced in a position that – in a conversation she didn't necessarily yeah. want to have. And unfortunately, that led to – her not being able to explain it thoroughly because she had to go save right. the world, which led to the conflict. And I think we talked about too, like if they'd had an appropriate time to sit down and talk about it, that probably wouldn't have been quite so extreme. Yeah. You know, well, um, it, it's just it's interesting. Yeah. But I could I could see in the storyline, you know, why she did it. But it was I was just like, oh, joy. Yeah, no. Um. Yeah, yeah. and then the TED episode also. Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> Leah hates that episode with a passion. <laughs> I thought it was it's, interesting. It, it's a phenomenal episode. It's just the guy does it's too, too close good to of home. a job that I'm like, yeah. when I watch it, like everything yes. Buffy does, I'm like, I would do the exact same. Like, oh, yeah. it, just, it gives me PTSD. I can't. Absolutely. And when she, when she kills him, I was like, I was, I, that was one of the scenes in the show where I was like, there's no coming back from this because no one will understand why. Because her mom, and this is where I get annoyed with jo- Joyce too. I was like, your daughter is telling you something isn't right. This man is making her uncomfortable. And I understand you're lonely, but I would hope like a mom when their daughter is telling them something and that they feel violated or uncomfortable that the mom would say, we're removing this from the situation. I found that so upsetting. And then when she when she killed him, I was like, no one will understand. There was a reason he was provoking her and then now the police are involved. And then um, the fact that, yeah, just the fact that she, you could tell she felt so guilty. And I would have too, because she's like, wait, did I not need to do that? Am I just a monster now that I'm used to killing monsters? Um, that really, like, when he died, I was like, oh, crap, this is going a different direction than I thought. So I like the way yeah. they wrapped it up, but wow. Yeah. Well, I think um, – it's important. I think they could have done it a little bit better, but it's important to know in that episode that Joyce is drugged. And so right. there's a whole other layer. I wrote like a post about cookie. it on Instagram yeah. about the cookie and the the idea that like Joyce is actually quite very much a victim in that episode as well yeah. because she's being drugged and she's being forced in a relationship. And they make a very clear distinction um, at that moment um, at the when she's downstairs at the very end of the episode and, and Ted starts talking to her. Yeah. Joyce has it's she's been long enough without the cookies. You start right. to see the real Joyce coming through when she's like, wait a minute, let let me talk to Buffy first before you make this decision, before you decide to go. Whereas before she'd been like, No, you can do it. And so I yeah. think the show could have done a better job, I think, of making that more clear and doing it throughout the season and showing the good moments because then like the next episode I think is like bad eggs or something when she reverts right back to you're grounded. Yeah. So it's like so extreme. <laughs> and then you have those beautiful moments in innocence when she's sitting with mm-hmm. her at the very end. Like, so there's like, there's good moments. Um, and it's, yeah. it, we've, we talk about this on the podcast a lot about how there's often two things going on in the episode. There's the metaphor and what they're trying to tell you in the metaphor. And then what's actually like, like that, the real life thing that's happening. So like the metaphor with Angel and Buffy is that he's the douchey boyfriend who just wants to sleep with her. And then, but 
is Never angels not actually that way. What they're right. trying to tell us with Joyce in that episode is this is what happens when a child is not listened to and heard yes. and stuff. But then this is who Joyce actually is. She's not actually yeah. that way. So you yeah. kind of have to like siphon, like filter through totally. that. And I think the writing could be clearer. Well, and it's definitely, it's not, and it's interesting because in discussing it, it's something that st- stood out because I did notice that at the end. I was like, okay, she's drugged. But it really stuck with me because the whole time you don't know what's going on. And you're like, oh my gosh, like somebody believe her. This guy is a total sociopath. Um, And so it's funny that even though I knew that, like that is the part that like viscerally stuck with me. Um, And I think that's actually very effective because it shows you like what happens when people are abused, what happens when people are manipulated. Um, But like it's that impression didn't go away if that makes sense. Um, no, which is I agree. Yeah. And I think that's just a fault of the writing because again, the very next episode I think is bad eggs. And then it's like, yeah. Joyce is back to being not super great. And the whole metaphor, well, kind of one of the metaphors of bad eggs that's convoluted is like <laughs> kids sucking the life out of their parents and right. parents like, like the clashing. And so it's like, so we're being reinforced this idea that like Joyce finds it like Buffy a burden. And so yeah. like, they're obviously just using that for the metaphor for the the episode. Right. And then you have these moments where she is a good parent. So again, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting as the show progresses to see what happens. I think that they kind of do Joyce a disservice sometimes because they mm-hmm. use her for yeah. a lot of like plot devices. And yes. and sometimes I'm like, okay, but you're not making – you're making us confused on whether or not we like Joyce or not because mm-hmm. in moments yeah. where she's nice, she's really sweet to Buffy. And then moments when she's not, you're like, how in the world would you ever think to do that? You know? And then it's like, oh, but yeah. she was drugged. Like that happens like two or three times throughout this season. You're like, okay, you're like, who is she? You know what I mean? Like I have all these images in my head and it's confusing. Or she's her. hitting on Xander, which is creepy. Like that yeah. was <laughs> – like, can we stop having adults? Like, even though they're under a, yeah. I, ugh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I um, will die on the hill that Joyce is a good mom, and yeah. that especially <laughs> for the cards that she's been dealt, like the dad leaving, and how like she's now pretty much single handedly racing Buffy, and Buffy is literally a slayer and is getting into all this trouble, <laughs> like. I feel and she like, doesn't know all the information. Yeah, like, like she definitely yeah, totally. she definitely doesn't handle certain things well. Ted, she was drugged. And then like even the ending of the season, like she definitely doesn't handle it well. But like I really don't think that you can doubt that Joyce loves her daughter. Absolutely. Well, and to be fair, this and this is this is not a Joyce thing as much as this is a teen TV show thing. The parents are ne- – they're always so absent. And I'm like, why are your kids live yeah. alone? <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. because you couldn't have a drama show without that. Because what were we doing in high school? Like, I'm doing my homework after school. There's nothing to see. So yeah. I get yeah. why they do that. And I and I get that poor Joyce doesn't know anything. And like she, and even if she did know, like, of course she doesn't want her kid to go out slaying. So I get what her wanting to stop that. But yeah, it's painful to watch that sometimes because you're just like, oh, I just want Joyce to know how to handle this. You know, to not have to guess how to handle this. Yeah. I think it was a smart decision to have Joyce find out the end of season two because I think that we need to move on from that. Yes. I'm ex- yeah. I'm excited because the whole season I was like, can we just let Joyce know? Like, I think we could, we just need that to happen. So I'm excited to see how that changes the story. 
heartbroken though to see all her stuff was moved out at the end of the episode. I was like, what? And then now she's skipping town. So that that will be interesting for sure. Yeah. All right. So I want to know your predictions for season three. What do you think is going to happen? What do you want to see happen? You've already mentioned the thing about Angel, but what else? I'm scared to make predictions. No, no, no. This is the best part. This is what we want to know. Don't be scared to make predictions because even if they're wrong, even if they're outlandish or whatever, it's really interesting for us. And I I hope a lot of the viewers to kind of see like not only your perspective, but just the perspective of someone who's new. Um, Because I mean, all three of us have seen the show so many times now that it's like, it's hard for us to be like, what was I thinking when I first watched mm-hmm. this? And so I, totally. I really love hearing your predictions because it it puts me back in that place of like, oh, this is what the show wanted the the first view to be like. Yes. You know? Well, I just – I actually want to go now and listen to my first episode and hear my predictions. Now yes, that I've do seen it. this. Because I'm like, I wonder what I said. I remember wondering if it would be Angel or Xander. But now I'm like, I wonder what I said that day. So I kind of want to go back. Um, So I definitely do predict – Angel isn't completely gone from the picture. Um, and I'm tr- I'm trying to even remember when Angel came out, the show, but I feel like I'm not supposed to know that. So Yeah, don't look it up. Don't look it up. Okay, I won't. Um, so I, I feel like he's coming back in some form, whether or not we're going to him, which seems a little outlandish, or he's coming to us. I feel <laughs> like he's coming back. Um, I definitely think <sighs> – Obviously, they can't have, like, obviously, Buffy, it's Buffy, the vampire slayer. So I feel like um, that next episode is going to find us somewhere other than um, Sunnydale, her figuring things out. And I'm really curious to see how long that healing process is, because I felt like in the first season, it was that, or in the second season, it was that first episode. And then she's like, I'm good. Um, and, and not that she wasn't processing along the way, but I do feel like as the show is developing, they're spending more time for that. So I'm, I'm going to guess that there's going to be a little more time of her finding her way after this. It may not be an immediate she's back and we're doing the same old same. Um, so I'm going to predict that I'm going to predict I feel like Willow and Oz will be together for a while. And I feel like because they're side characters, that works. And I loved, I, I was it Tabby or, or Leah was saying the friends comparison. Mm-hmm. Chandler and Probably Monica Gabby. absolutely are the best couple. <laughs> Ross is just yuck. Yes, but anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Agreed. <laughs> I agree. Agreed. Agreed. Chandler is my favorite character in general. He's just the best. Love Chandler. Yes. And I like, I like Monica too. Same. Yeah. Um, but Chandler is amazing. Mm-hmm. But, um, I feel like you can do that because they're like stable background characters in the same way that oftentimes Willow is just like, she's just always Willow in the background. So I feel like that's going to continue for a while. I do feel like Cordelia and Xander, I feel like that's going to keep going, but I'm curious to see how that develops because they're such, in some ways, especially her, she's a very different character now than she was that first episode. She's still Cordelia, but she's not so much the bully that she was in that first season. So I'm interested to see how that develops. How do you think the characters are going to progress as like themselves? Because I feel like character-wise, like Willow's very different. Season one Willow and season two Willow. Even Xander, you see more depth in from season one, season two. So like where do you see a lot of the characters going in season three? 
Yeah, I do feel like, you know, season one, Willow was very unsure of herself and very insecure. And season two, Willow, like, knows who she is much more, is coming into her own. I'll start here because I find her really interesting for some reason. I think it's because she has the best lines. I actually do feel like (laughs) Cordelia and sometimes Xander says a lot of stupid stuff. He actually has some of the wittiest lines, too. Um, So I feel like with Cordelia, I feel like we're going to go deeper, I'm hoping. I hope to see that. These these are more hopes than what I see, but I do feel like it's happening over time. Um, I do feel like with Xander, hopefully we'll see less toxic masculinity, but he is Xander. I don't think it will be gone in season three. Um, It's a long road. Um, (laughs) I feel like with Willow, the end of the season was really interesting because she really took on Miss Calendar's role, which also is so weird. Like you don't have students teach high school classes. I was That's like, what yes. I've been saying. Yes. It's very odd. Trust me, we all were like, what? But I think the fatality rate in Sunnydale is so ridiculous that Steiner was like, I don't want to spend money on a substitute teacher. Willow, you're gonna be in the classroom. It honestly, if anybody could teach that class, it would be Will. I, I've had students like that before where I'm like, they don't need me. Don't tell them they don't need me. They don't need me. <laughs> like, they're fine on their own. Um, I do feel like it's going to be interesting because at the end, she's the one who, like, um, turned him back. So I'm interested to see. I don't know. I feel like she's had an important role in, like, the intelligence behind all their planning and stuff for a long time. But I'm wondering if she's almost going to take, like, an, a more of a lead role in that. Um, I feel like this is kind of unrelated, but I feel like we're going to see some new characters. There are actors that I know that are famous from the show that we haven't seen yet. And I feel like we got Oz this, I was going to say this semester. Wow. Uh, We got Oz (laughs) this season, but I feel like maybe we're going to get some of those other new characters that are famous for the show this season. Maybe I, okay. I am kind of very curious where, where Buffy is at because obviously she's lost something huge, but at the end of season one, she was like, like mourning, like what she lost. And then she came into that. So I feel like she's accepted who she is, but I'm curious to see how this healing process is different than it was at the beginning of season two. Um, I think she's more grounded in her identity, but I don't think this is just going to go away. Um, So I'm curious to see how, how that works out. I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Giles, but I really would like Giles to find some happiness because he's so gall darn adorable. <laughs> I just well, want him to be happy. The same thing. He's so precious. Oh my gosh. I felt so bad when, um, I'm going to say her name. Dr- what's Drew? Drusilla? I always get her name. Drusilla. When she's like making out with him, he's so confused. The poor guy thinks he's with Miss Calendar. It's like, oh, this, this guy. So I hope that like he finds some happiness because- I do feel like all of their lives are slaying, even though they're not the slayer. Um, but I do feel like obviously that's always going to be a complication. What do you What do you think the theme of season three is going to be? I'm trying to remember because I feel like you've that's said it before. <laughs> but I'm I not haven't said I haven't said it before. But yeah, we've oh, been haven't? very careful. Okay. We've been very careful not okay. to. Do you know the theme of season two? I feel like I'm being quizzed because I no, do yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. We'll give you a hint. We'll give you a hint. The, the theme of season two is the title of one of the episodes, of two of the episodes. Becoming. She's yes. becoming. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and, I was, and that's why I was like, I know I know this. So when that's what I meant by I feel like I'm being quizzed because I know you said this. 
And I was thinking through it. Right. We saw season one as acceptance, her accepting her role. Season two was her becoming in the sense of she's now fully Slayer because she's accepted the humanity and the Slayer side and that they work together. It's not something she has to fight against. Um, So what do you think season three was? I kind of anticipate that – it might be that not only now is she has she become the slayer, but now um, she's fully making it her own um, mm-hmm. in season three. Um, so it's no longer like acceptance and then coming into her own, but then um, <sighs> trying to look for like one word that would sum that up, but that she's taking it and making her own and thriving with it. But I also do sure. feel like with the angel story, I do feel like there's that's going to be a hard that's going to be a hard sell because she's also grieving a lot. But I think that's when you grow the most. So I do feel like this might be she's already a very strong female character, but I feel like this might be that season where and it's really important for this to happen where she doesn't we don't need to define her by her her status with Angel and I'm hoping that that will become even more elevated if that makes sense. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of ways it can go. Yeah. 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 There are. <laughs> yeah, there are. I want to say so much more and I'm like, I shouldn't say anymore. <laughs> well, and no. that, that's the thing. You didn't say what season three was, but I remember you saying the acceptance and the becoming thing. So when you said mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh, I know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, season three, they are seniors in high school. Okay. And okay. Um, yeah, and I will just say season three is meaty. Every it, season three is when it, the show no, it becomes less episodic mm-hmm. and becomes more serialized. Season Good. three and is so, also my personal favorite. I think it's, it's all yeah, three it's of ours. Pretty much known. Well, no, I, I actually like season five the best. Oh, that's season true, yeah. three <laughs> is pretty universally known as probably the most consistent episode. Like every single episode is just. I think there's one that's kind of weak, but every single one progresses the story forward. So when you're watching, just know if you're binge watching, it's going to be a lot to watch, and you might actually yeah. want to take notes because there's so much mm-hmm. that happens in each episode. So think like, think of like yeah. the best parts of season two, and that's like pretty much every single episode. I'm excited. Three. I, I think <laughs> I am gonna. I was thinking about that even before we were talking. I think I really want to like okay. Um, take notes for each episode so that I remember my thoughts. Um, and I did love how, you know, I was saying it's becoming less like, okay, one and done. So I'm so excited to hear that's becoming more serialized because yeah. it was already starting to do that. So I'm very excited about that. I'm really excited because I think that's when the show is at its best. I did like the campy. I can appreciate mm-hmm. that. But I seeing some of those episodes in season two, it was a completely other level. Yes. So I'm very excited to see that in season three. So I'm going to definitely take notes. Yeah. I think you're going to love season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Cool. So, thank you, Liz, so much. This thank was you. so fun. It's just a blast to hear your thoughts. And it even gives me food for thought for like the next season and yes. like how I address things. And like, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm so excited to hear your thoughts, even just for the rest of the show. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't wait till we get to like Yeah, hey, I'm so episodes. glad. It's so fun. Yeah. So, all right, guys, thanks so much for listening. That was Liz. Liz, where can we find you on Instagram? Uh, literati at Lala. Yeah, I'm like forgetting my own name. Literati- <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's Friday. Okay, uh, Literati in La La Land. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, and we'll tag you in our we'll tag you in our Instagram post so they can find you. Sounds um, good. Yeah. So you guys can find us on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and TikTok now and Tumblr. So just look for us anywhere. We're probably there. 
Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We will see you next time for the beginning of season three.